Well, 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 hello and welcome. It is the 46th week of the year. Yep, the 46th week of the year. That leaves us with not a lot of weeks to go before the end of the year, does it? And we are also very close to Thanksgiving, which is always nice. I said that before. One of my favorite holidays, although I didn't really grow up in South Africa, celebrating Thanksgiving is definitely something I've learned since I have been traveling to North America and also living in Taiwan. The weather is playing along for this time of the year. It's gone from, you know, nice sunny weather, tannable weather, as I would say, to I have taken the oil heater out weather. My Simba cat is not fond of the cold at all. So I've set up an oil heater in my office and put his favorite chair in front of this heater. And that is where he has now parked himself in front of this heater. I read somewhere a long time ago that little animals, as in, I guess, cats and dogs, things like this, they need 26 degrees Celsius to stay healthy. And I had cats before and they used to get quite sick in Taiwan, like little snotty noses. It was actually quite cute, but also quite sad. And then I read about this this heating thing, that they need this warmth. And as soon as I got that, the cats that had a flu at the time went and sat by the heater and it totally dried up their little noses and their flu. So I asked the vet and he agreed. He said that uh, a, a nice warm space, a heater, um, keeps them warm and it dries them out so they don't get flu. So touch wood, that's 10 years ago. I haven't had um, sick animals since I've had the oil heaters, but yeah, Simba's parked himself in front of the heater and that is where he is going to stay. We have a lot to talk about this week, yet again. Lots of interesting things, lots of nice, exciting events coming up. Um, At the end of the show, I'm also going to give you some tips on where you can go to get your turkey for Thanksgiving. And yeah. Let's get going. I want to just make a quick note and say thank you to everyone who have been so diligently sending me articles um, about things that are interesting, not only in the Taiwan news, but also global news. Definitely could not come up with all of the content that I need if it wasn't for all of you. So thank you very much for that. And if you are one of those people that find something that you want to share with the English speaking community in Taiwan... Just send it to me at the end of the day. Um, The more, the better. Also, I'm very interested to hear about people with recommendations. Hair salons, restaurants, massage places, parks, museums. Anything that you think is interesting. Night markets that might be a little bit, you know, off the beaten track or you want to introduce it. Send it to me. Go to the Substack Taiwan Roundup substack.com you can reach me there you can reach me through facebook taiwan roundup on the facebook page you can also send me a direct email taiwan roundup at gmail.com that's taiwan r-o-u-n-d-u-p at gmail.com all righty let's get the show on the road all righty i want to start with a couple of quick headlines that were in the Reuters publication this week. The first one is Johnson & Johnson plans to spin off its consumer health division that sells Listerine and baby powder (laughs) and focus on pharmaceuticals and medical devices in a big shakeup, the biggest shakeup in the US company's 135-year history. I don't know why I find baby powder funny. I just think it's funny. Uh, F.W. de Klerk was a pillar of the Avocado establishment who helped dismantle apartheid and he has died at the age of 85. F.W. de Klerk stunned the world by scraping, scrapping apartheid. I had a conversion over apartheid, he said in a posthumous video. He won the Nobel Peace Prize with Mandela in 1993, faced criticism from black and white nationalists and he died in his home in Cape Town at 85 years old after a long battle with cancer. Condolences to his family. Europe becomes COVID-19 epicenter again. 
the country looks at fresh curbs. I like how they say curbs. They don't dare to write lockdowns because they know all people will freak out if they start writing lockdowns. Um, Europe accounts for half of the latest infections and deaths from the COVID-19 virus. Outbreaks stir fears over the winter months and what it, its impact would be on the economic economy. Various nations consider the unpopular curbs again. Why do they say curbs? Why don't they just say lockdowns or whatever? Anyway, vaccines are not the silver bullet, uh, experts warn. Well, that's not good for Europe, is it? And they're going into winter. That's a double whammy. Astronaut crew of four welcomed aboard the International Space Station. We're still on the Reuters, by the way. Four astronauts, three from NASA and one from the European Space Agency, arrived at the International Space Station on Thursday and docked their SpaceX Crew Dragon <laughs> capsule <laughs> with an orbiting laboratory to begin a six-month science mission. Well, 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 if you're in a Crew Dragon, you don't get curbs. You go straight to space. This is not really headline news, although I found it quite entertaining because there was a similar story in Taiwan a couple of weeks ago and also a couple of months ago. I think it was in Shinchu that there was a an ATM was uh, changed with cash. You know, those guys that drive in with the, with the trucks, with the vans, two guys, and they go and change the cash. Well, these two guys were robbed while they were putting cash in an ATM machine. And the same exact store in the same ATM machine on a previous occasion a robber came in, or more than one robber came in at that occasion, and actually took the entire ATM. <laughs> so this is something similar, but it is crypto. Spanish police are investigating a robbery of a Bitcoin ATM in a raid on conspiracy, uh, a conspiracy cryptocurrency exchange outlet in a wealthy Barcelona neighborhood, local media reported. The Bitcoin ATM allows customers to purchase cryptocurrency using cash or a debit card, while some also let users exchange their crypto holdings for cash. Goodness me, so those machines must hold quite a bit of cheddar. Citing police sources, the EFE news agency said that the thieves took the Bitcoin ATM from a shop on Beethoven Street near where the head branch of the GBTC cryptocurrency exchange is the GBTC did not return multiple requests for comment, nor do the police want to comment on the matter. They declined to even say where the exact location of the robbery was. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, it is quite, uh, you know, makes it makes me think of these heist films where they go and grab the entire thing. Perhaps they are watching too many of these heist films. Imagine if 10 years down the line it comes out because people were locked at home, they started watching a lot of Netflix and films and then they got an idea from watching all these things that they can rob, rob all these ATMs. It is quite a coincidence that people are driving off with these ATMs so, so much these days, although I guess it could just be more reported. It is just sitting there, isn't it? You could just pick it up if you had the manpower or the strength. There are apparently videos circulating about this Barcelona crypto currency bitcoin atm theft it's a uh, a pickup truck and hooded hooded criminals that drove through a window or something and grabbed it but it's not been corroborated yet and apparently the police don't want to talk about it this is from the washington post but honestly it's headlines on most of the major newspapers. It is about an American journalist, Danny Fenster, that has been sentenced to 11 years in a Myanmar jail. Myanmar court on Friday convicted the American journalist for of three counts, including immigration violations, and sentenced him to a prison sentence of 11 years, the harshest possible sentence for those crimes under the law. The punitive treatment of Fenster, a 37-year-old Detroit native, has been widely, conde widely condemned by advocates of freedom of press, the American government and the international community. As the Myanmar military continues its campaign of imprisoning journalists and activists after taking power in February in a February coup. 
Feinster is still facing two more serious charges on terror of terrorism and sedition, which have not been heard yet. They carry a sentence of up to life in prison. Good God. Fenster was seized at Yangon International Airport in May as he tried to board a flight of to Kuala Lumpur and was taken to the Insign Prison. He was working as a managing director at the Frontin Myanmar news outlet that focused on Myanmar at Myanmar at the time. The prison is notorious for its poor conditions and has been used by the Myanmar military government to hold scores of political prisoners. He was excluded from an amnesty for 5,000 prisoners, including anti-coup protesters last month. Mm. That's not nice. Two other foreign journalists help, held in the wake of the February coup, an American journalist, Nathan Wang, and a Japanese journalist, Yuki Kitazumi, has since been released. On Friday, after the trial that was held in a court inside the prison, close to the public, he was sentenced to 11 years on charges including violation of Immigration Act and the Unlawful Associations Act. Unlawful Associations Act. I mean, if there is an act that is vague, this has to be the number one vaguest thing that you could possibly charge someone. It sounds just like a little bit of nonsense. There's also... Um, there's also a report that apparently what they're accusing him of was he was working at another uh, editorial or agency a while back. I don't know exactly what the time frame is on this, but he's quit that and he's been the working for this other editorial for the last uh, year or whatever, but they are pretending not to know that or I don't know what's going on there. It does not sound good, that's for sure. Mr. Musk has made the news again this week. This is from Japan Today. Tesla shares fall after Musk's soap opera Twitter poll. Tesla's share price plunged on Monday in the latest controversy sparked by CEO Elon Musk, who was facing criticism for letting his Twitter followers decide whether he should sell billions of company stocks. Billions, wow. The episode, described by one analyst as another bizarre soap opera, <laughs> is the most recent example of the real-world trouble following the often provocative tweets from one of the richest people. The controversy, which pushed Tesla stocks about 3% by down about 3% by 5 o'clock GMT, started on Saturday with Musk targeting a push for the US Democratic lawmakers to tax billionaires by targeting their stocks, which are usually taxed only when sold. Ooh, that'll ruffle some feathers. In what appeared to be a protest against the now stalled proposal, Musk wrote on Twitter that he doesn't have a cash salary, so he would be forced to sell shares to pay any sizable levy. His way of making his point was by asking his 62.9 million Checking Twitter followers in a poll whether they think he should sell 10% of his stocks. With a resounding 57.8% of the votes voting yes. I was prepared to accept either outcome, said Musk, who regularly takes to Twitter to make unexpected announcements or surprise comments. If Musk does follow through, he stands to make a lot of money, given he owns 17, 17% of Tesla shares as of June 30. 17%. And he's going to make billions. Well, I should have bought Tesla shares. <laughs> Is it too late to buy Tesla shares? <laughs> okay, this article goes on and on and on and on. It gets a bit political, but it seems like, uh, yeah, he's, he's having a little hissy fit, it would appear. And the Senator Ron Waden tweeted, whether or not the world's wealthiest man pays any taxes at all shouldn't depend on the results of his Twitter poll. <laughs> and guess what? He tweeted that. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, a, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? So, yeah, old, old Elon Musk is uh, ruffling some feathers. Oh, it's probably a good thing, right? 
it's always a good thing if there's a little bit of opposition to things happening and things shaken up in all kinds of directions. If we, if there's never any opposition to anything we do, then everything would just be a very one-sided monopoly dictatorship in just about everything, whether it's tax bills or politics or religion or mandates. We need a bit of opposition, good, healthy opposition on all sides. I have to say, Elon Musk is probably not the right person to take that on with. But then again, everything he does also, isn't it funny? Every time he does anything, uh, his Tesla, <laughs> Tesla shares are affected when he had that little spiff on the Joe Rogan. Boom, crashes the Tesla shares. Yeah, everything he does, this poor guy. But I guess that's uh, that's the downside of being that rich. You uh, you're always under the spotlight. Lionel Richie made headlines this week. Daily Mail from the Daily Mail: the 72-year-old makes a rare red carpet appearance with his girlfriend Lisa Parigi, who is 32. Kapow! <laughs> what is that like? 40 years. <laughs> My goodness me. <laughs> At the Country Music Awards, they kept a low profile since their relationship was revealed in 2014. Oh, hello. 2014. That's seven years ago. So she was 25. And he would have been 25. So he was 65. She was 25 and he was 65. Well, 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 go Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie, 72, and girlfriend Lisa Parigi, 32, who looked smitten as they ever were, attended the Country Music Association's Award in Nashville, Tennessee on Wednesday. The American Idol judge and his longtime girlfriend put on a stylish display as she turned on to support, turned up to support Lionel's who has been hosting the show. The music icon looked slick in an all-black ensemble, ensemble at the biggest event in country music. He wore a long blazer coat, which he paired with smart trousers and a black shirt. Completing he, his outfit with patent brooches. Patent brooches. I didn't see the brooches. They do look very pretty together, though, two of them. And she, Lisa, who is 40 years his junior, stunned with a canary yellow floor-length evening gown that nipped her at the waist, featuring a small train at the back. It is a very nice dress, I have to say. I was looking at a picture of it and thinking they do look quite smart together. She's also holding like a cute little purse that looks like a disco ball on a string. Staying with the love theme and couple theme, Julian Assange has been allowed to marry his partner, Stella Morris, in jail. The couple who met while the WikiLeaks founder was living in the Ecuadorian embassy have permission by the Belmarsh governor to get married. He had been held in the London prison since 2019 after, his U after the US took legal action to extradite him. He was granted permission to marry his partner, Stella Morris, after applying to the prison governor. The prison service spokesperson said Mr. Assange's application was received, considered and processed in the usual way by the prison governor as for any other pris prisoner. The couple who met when Assange was living in the Ecuadorian embassy in London have two children. Ooh. Morris told the PA agency, I am relieved that reason prevailed and I hope there will be no further interference with our marriage. Salam. Feisty lady. This is from Japan today, but honestly... I think there's a lot of newspaper covering this story because Britney is free. A Los Angeles judge on Friday ended the conservatorship that has controlled the pop singer's life and money for nearly 14 years. The decision capped a stunning odyssey that saw Spears publicly demand 
the end of conser the conservatorship, hire her own attorney, have her father removed from power, and finally win the freedom to make her own medical, financial, and personal decisions for the first time since 2008. As of today, the conservatorship of the person and estate of Brittany Jean Spears is hereby terminated, Judge Brenda Penny said. Oh, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? That has to make you feel good. This week I have a little something from Dr. Andrew, Andrew Huberman. His Twitter page is Huberman Lab. And he wrote, do you get cold easily? Exposure to cold water, a shower, an ice bath, cold plunge, etc. for 11 minutes per week, divided into two or three sessions, adjust the brown fat around the heart mainly, which in turn heats the body more robustly and raise comfort in cold temperatures, cold environments. Also burns body fat. How cold does the shower, the bath, etc. need to be? Well, that depends, Huberman says. So many factors have to be included, but it should make you feel like you really want to get out, but you will safely stay in that cold environment for a little bit longer. <laughs> That's three seconds for me. I did do the cold shower thing in the summer. It was actually quite refreshing, but, but I did it in the morning and in the evening. So it was a wake up and it was, for some reason, it calmed me down before bed, a cold shower. I don't know how that works, but it worked. Don't think I'll be doing it this week. It is too cold this week to even consider cold showers. This is interesting. UC Davis, the viral load similar between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. A survey underscores the importance of wearing masks and testing alongside with vaccines. A new study from the University of California, Davis Genome Center, UC San Francisco and Chan Zuckerberg Biohub. Oh, <laughs> unfortunate name shows a significant difference in viral shows no significant difference in viral load between vaccinated and unvaccinated people who tested positive for the delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 it also found no significant difference between infected people with or without symptoms with or without symptoms the finding underscore the continued need for masking and regular regular testing alongside vaccinations especially in areas with high prevalence, the authors wrote. The study is currently available online as a preprint from MedRVix. Our study adds to existing data about levels of virus in vaccine breakthroughs in two settings of high ongoing community prevalence of the Delta variant, said Professor Richard Mitchellmore, director of UC Davis Genome Center. This is some breakthrough in science, and this is posted in the New Science publication. Paralyzed mice walk again after a gel is injected into their spinal cord. A self-assembling gel that stimulates nerve re regeneration has shown promise as a treatment for paralyzed par paralysis in mice. Self-assembling gel is injected into the site of the spinal cord injury into paralyzed mice and has enabled them to walk again in four weeks. The gel mimics the matrix that is normally found around cells, providing a scaffold that helps cells grow. It also provides signals that stimulate nerve regeneration. So, okay, this goes on and on, a little bit too medical for my liking. Basically, 76 paralyzed mice were injected and in the region where they had their injuries on their spines and they found that the mice that were injected with the gel walk could walk again within four weeks of their injection whereas the mice that were giving the placebo did not regain the ability to walk. I can't help but wonder how these mice got such serious injuries on their spinal cord to begin with. It's as an animal lover, it's always a bit of a tricky catch-22. We want there to be new science, but we also don't want to hurt innocent little creatures. So, But yeah, that's good, right? I mean, that's a good outcome. This is a cute story, I thought, also from New Scientist. The heart rates of... 
people that go on a first date synchronize if they have a nice connection. Heart rate synchronizes a study of young heterosexual people on blind dates found that those who instantly felt sparks develop synchronized patterns in their heart rates and palm sweating. <laughs> While people feel instant chemistry with each other on a first date, their hearts start to beat in tune, the study shows. When people feel an instant in chemistry with each other on a first date, their hearts start to beat in tune. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, we often think we know what we are looking for in a partner, but research shows that the people we are actually we actually end up falling for often do not meet our ideal preferences. While someone may seem perfect, a perfect match on Tinder, we may feel nothing when we meet that person in real life, says Eliska Prochakova, Prochakova at the Leiden University in Netherlands. This may be because attraction isn't simply based on what someone looks like on paper, but also a gut feeling when we get with that person, she says. To study what happens at a psychological level when people instantly have a spark on a first date, Prochakovska and her colleagues set up dating booths, dating cabins at three festivals, a music festival, an arts festival and a science festival in the Netherlands. They invited 142 single heterosexual males and females between the ages of 18 to 38 to go on four-minute blind dates inside of these cabins. The participants wore eye-tracking glasses. Oh, my goodness. A heart rate monitor and, <laughs> and devices for monitoring the sweatiness on their palms. So they looked like a cyber cop when they went into this as cyclops. <laughs> and they still had sparks. I don't know. That sounds concerning. But cute nonetheless. So perhaps just check the other person's pulse the next time you meet someone you like, I guess. Keeping with the theme that love is in the air, I think we're going to stick with this for one more story. The now former Princess Mako and her husband leaves for New York. They left, they departed from Japan to the US on Sunday and they have swapped the imperial rights for the bright lights of New York after leaving the royal family. The pair tied the knot in Tokyo last month. After years of tabloid gossip and online sniping, Mr. Kumuro said it caused him great sadness and pain to see how it affected and stressed out his new bride. A move to the US has been long rumored and the 30-year-old couple, they're both the same age, I guess, boarded a commercial flight at Tokyo's Haneda Airport where Kay attended law school and he now works. The airport was heavily guarded with police, as well as a hundred journalists, but the couple didn't make any statements to the journalists. They went straight to the plane. Mako is the niece of the emperor, but she lost her royal titles when she married a commoner. The post-war succession law says that only male members of the imperial family can ascend to the throne. Princess Mako has since been uh, since their engagement in 2007 been put under a lot of stress and trauma and she's been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder mr k said that he is very sad that marco has been in such a bad condition mentally and physically and he said continue to say i love marco we only have one life and we should spend it with the people that we love oh that's sweet so they are on their way now to the Express in the UK. This is about the Queen's health. Yet again, another week with headlines about the Queen of England's health. She has, there's a statement out that she has sprained her back. So she will not join the National Service of Remembrance. The palace said in a statement, the sovereign took the decision to pull out of the event with great regret, they said. This will be only the seventh time that Her Majesty has not joined since her coronation in 1953. 
The two previous occasions, she was pregnant that she didn't join. And the four other occasions, she was overseas on overseas tours. So she was not in the country. The palace announcement has created quite a stir uh, from journalists, people speculating about her health. The popular journalist Piers Morgan wrote on his Twitter page, there is something we are not being told about the Queen's health. It is clearly a much more serious situation than the palace is saying. Replying to his post on Twitter, another user, Phil Jones, wrote, there is no way Her Majesty would miss the service today unless she was really poorly. So, sending good wishes to the Queen and hopefully she can recover soon. But it does seem like there's always an excuse every week, week after week, about her health and why she can't join events. And the fact that she always joins events and now suddenly she's not does seem like a bit of a fishy situation. Taiwan was jolted again this week on Sunday with a 5.3 earthquake. The earthquake occurred off the coast, eastern coast of Taiwan at 9.05 p.m. on Sunday, according to the Central Weather Bureau. The earthquake was sent to 26 kilometers southeast of the Ilan County, the government office says, at a depth of 66.7 kilometers. The earth earthquake's intensity was felt basically all throughout the island, but strongest in Taipei City, New Taipei City, Taichung, Tao, and Taoyuan, where it measured a 3 on Taiwan's 7-tier intensity scale. Yeah, so we talked about that before. Taiwan has a 7-tier intensity scale. So this is not the 9-point Richter scale that the rest of the world uses. It's a 7-point scale that they use in Taiwan. And luckily... There were no injuries and no damages. In fact, that quake lasted a very short time compared to the one last week or the week before, I would say. This story might get your heart racing in another kind of way. Maybe not the best kind of way. This is from uh, Taiwan English News. There is an expat trail runner from Czech that has been gaining a reputation for tracking down lost hikers after he again found the remains of a man in Nanto County who went missing this week. Well, he found it this week, he didn't go missing this week. The Czech national's name is Pert Novotny, Novotny, Mr. Novotny. Mr. Novotny runs an outdoor sports company called Beast Runners and he came to media's attention when he joined the search for a missing off-road motorcyclist in the mountains of Shinshu County in September this year. In the same month, Novotny joined the search for a 60-year-old man named Huang, who went missing while climbing a mountain in Nanto County in September. And on September 22nd, Novotny found the remains of Mr. Huang at the bottom of a ravine. The outcome of the search prompted Novotny to post a video and give hikers advice on hiking. I don't really get what he's saying here, but he says, never go down in the stream or creek if you are lost. All missing persons found in creeks never walk out by themselves. Okay, so I guess it means just don't go near a creek when you're hiking. Uh, Novotny urged people in a video he posted on YouTube. Novotny has also found the remains of a man named Young who went missing last month failing to return from a hike in also Nanto County between October 9 and October 11. The Nanto County Fire Department and other search and rescue organizations failed to find the missing man after a 10-day search, prompting Young's family to post a $300 reward for anyone who can locate him. After four attempts, with a total of eight days spent, on the search, Novotny found the remains of Mr. Young in a pool at an altitude of 1,600 meters. Novotny suspects that Mr. Young was not lost, but that he had an accident while attempting to cross the swollen stream as the rains were much heavier due to a typhoon, approaching typhoon on the 11th of October. Novotny told the English News that he and his wife Eva 
and a friend named Huang checked Yang's social media, GPS and phone signals for clues. And Avodny hiked three days, 70 kilometer route, concluding that there was no reason for Yang to be lost. However, uh, Novotny said, however, he was behind schedule and the weather was getting really bad. I stuck on the idea that an accident in the creek happened. However, the terrain is difficult and still complicated with strong water. Yesterday, my last day to try and find him, I found him where I expected he would be, Novotny said. The body is yet to be conclusively identified by DNA, according to media reports. However, the clothing, the backpack and everything that he had on him did identify him as or was belonging to the man missing, Mr. Young. The body is still at the location. Ooh. Research personnel are waiting for better weather to facilitate a helicopter extraction. Well, don't go walking around in that creek, that's for sure. It's funny because he posted... Um, he posted some videos and I think he posted a selfie. And there's been quite a bit of backlash over this. Yeah, why the selfie? People completely forgetting that he spent quite a few days of his life hiking quite a dangerous terrain to help find this missing person that the Taiwan search and rescue couldn't find. So I don't know, it doesn't bother me so much. I probably would have taken a selfie myself. We live in a selfie time, right? Yeah, this is an interesting story. Invasive giant toads found in Taiwan. This is also from uh, the English news, Taiwan English news, also Yahoo news. Of the top 100 invasive species in the world, the cane toad has been found in Nanto County, according to the Nanto Forest Management Office. The the, an amphibian conservation volunteer team recently discovered the toads in a vegetable garden in Nanto County. The team undertook a search and removed 27 frogs from the garden. Or toads, excuse me. Nanto Forest Management Office contacted Professor Yang of the National Donghua University. And in cooperation with the conserva conservation volunteers and personnel from the Special Biology Conservation Centre... Further searches in the area turned up more of the invasive toad species. A total of 50 toads have been found, and the forest management office said a team is working with Nanto government to formulate an emergency removal of the toads after discovery in the area. They plan to use a grid system to thoroughly search and remove the toads. The Nanto forest Management office said that the toads, also known as marine toads and giant neutropical toads, are originally native to South America. The toads can reach a maximum body length of 30 centimeters and have amazing, amazing appetites and the power of predation. Ooh. In addition to the toads, in addition, the toads have venom glands behind their ears. And if provoked by a predator, they can spray deadly venom up to a meter, one meter. Good God. That makes them a threat to native predators and pets like cats and dogs. <laughs> Bloody hell, this sounds like a bit of a um, miniature Godzilla that has landed in the uh, county of, where is that, Nanto. It's an ugly looking thing as well. It's not looking like a cute little uh, kiss many frogs and find your prince kind of toad. It's quite a gnarly looking frog toad at least. I'll keep your dogs at home I guess until they get this under control. I don't know what you would use to, what eats frogs? We don't have anything in Taiwan that eats frogs, do we? I guess we could get a couple of um, Komodo dragons. Do they eat frogs? I don't actually know who eats frogs. Right, this is interesting. Some research towards the treatment of coronavirus. Um, Taiwan has procured 10,000 courses of the COVID pill that is capable of halving the chances of hospitalization and death. 
and is produced by the company Merck. So Mr. Chen, the health minister, said that they have struck a deal with the American pharmaceutical company Merck & Co. And the deal is for at least 10,000 courses of this pill, but he won't give details of the price or the delivery time, according to the CNA. This pill is a game changer in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Molnupiravir, Molnupiravir is the first oral antiviral to treat covid the medication is said to reduce the likelihood of patients with mild symptoms developing the, to serious disease and can be taken at home, which would relieve the burden on hospitals. Uh, Mr. Chen also noted that molnupiravir needs to be granted emergency use authorization by the Taiwan Food and Drug Administration before it can be rolled out. The UK became the first company to approve molnupiravir with Trials expected to kick off later this month. The U.S. has secured 1.3 million courses of the pill at a cost of $2.2 billion, says Reuters. The Taiwan is also eyeing a drug made by Pfizer, pending further assessment, said Chen. Pfizer claims that their pill, Paxlovid, Paxlovid, Sounds a bit like a laxative, doesn't it? Paxlovid. <laughs> Has been shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization and death by 89%. I think that was what they said about their vaccines as well, wasn't it? So, of course, I looked into this a little bit more. I was kind of mostly curious about the, the MERSC one, Molnupiravir. And it seems they say Taiwan has purchased 10 courses but that's not 10 pills because a course is five days. And I don't know how many pills you take per day during those five days. All, everything surrounding this is kind of very secretive, which is a little bit weird. I don't know why it would be so secretive. Um, so 10,000 courses means 10,000 treatments of five-day courses and however many pills are in that packet. And in that course treatment... Uh, Merck sold one course treatment at 700 US dollars to America. So let's assume they're selling it at the same price to Taiwan. If they are and there's no shipping fees or whatever, whatever, then 10,000 courses would be 7 million US dollars of this Molnupiravir that we've bought. The problem is there doesn't seem to be like I said, much information about it, uh, exactly how it works and so on and so on. Um, there's papers been published, but there's no peer-reviewed anything that's been made public yet. So it's interesting that they have gone ahead and bought this so quickly without much, uh, much conclusive evidence of what it is and how it works. Uh, just to do a quick <laughs> conversion, which I have done, uh, 7 million would be approximately 20... 210 million NT dollars for 10 courses of this pill. So you're probably looking at paying at least 20 to 30 thousand dollars for a course of these pills. Um, it, it sounds like a good idea, right? I mean, you're not going to have the side effects with clotting and stuff like that. I would imagine there's still side effects related to this, uh, but it's going through your intestinal tract, it's not going into your cells and your blood. So it's probably different types of side effects, probably more of the allergic type. And you take it when you start feeling ill with COVID. So it's not, um, they're not really marketing it as a prophylactic, although it, it, it might be, I don't know. They just, like I said, there's very little information about it, which is kind of strange. I don't know why there's so little information about it. This made me kind of think a little bit about the testing that's available and that sent me down a whole different rabbit hole, but I thought I would share it anyway, because it's, again, very curious. In terms of testing, this is from the Texas Department of State Health Services. They put out a very nice PDF to explain the three types of testing, how it's done, what they do, what they look for, what's the positive, what's the negative, etc., etc., etc. So I'll just give you a short little insight on what they wrote. 
there are three types of tests available for COVID-19, molecular, antigen and antibody. The antibody test is also known as serology, S-E-R-O-L-O-G-Y, serology. The molecular and antigen tests detect whether a person is currently infected, while the serology tests detect whether a person has had the infection in the past, as in antibodies. And then they go on to explain how the document is set up. This is from their PDF, which is very nicely, easily laid out for anyone to understand and read. It says uh, in columns, why is this test used? And then you've got molecular antigen and the serology antibody one. Molecular test looks at pieces of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, in the nose, throat areas, respiratory tract, to determine whether a person is, has an active infection. Then the antigen test does something similar. But as we know, you can do the antigen test at home. I'm not sure about the molecular test, if you can do that at home. It seems it also uses a swab, but it also goes to a lab. But anyway, so the antigen test is what we've seen everywhere and what we do here, where you test the pieces of protein that makes up the SARS-CoV-2 virus to determine if a person has an active infection with a swab of the nose, right? Then the antibody test, the serology one, that one is a blood test to determine past infections. Um, in most cases, this is a blood sample taken and sent to a lab for testing. So that's not something that you could do at home. Although I have seen that there are antibody home kits. What they are basically is something that you can prick your own finger with and collect the blood and then send it to said laboratory. So that is the less interesting part of the story that I actually wanted to share. I just needed to make sure that we were on the same page with regards to the testing. Now, when and why would you want to do an antibody tests test? First of all, if you think that you may have possibly had COVID, you may want to go get that test done and see if you have the antibodies. Second, You've been vaccinated with one, two, three shots and you want to now know what your antibody level is. Perhaps you've only had one shot, perhaps you've had two shots and perhaps your antibody levels are at a level where you might not need these booster jabs. So in that case, you would also want to have an antibody test. Doesn't seem tricky when we say it like that. However, here is the curious thing. Antibody tests are banned in Taiwan. I cannot understand what the purpose of that would be. This came to my attention and at first I thought it was probably just a mistake. So I've tried to find out what the situation is with antibody tests and where you can go get them done. And what I found is this article, mind you, this was posted in September. So, you know, um, two months ago. And this is an internet celebrity that published his Medigen antibody tests. An internet celebrity named Liu Yu paid out of pocket to get an antigen test after he got the Medigen vaccine and found that he had low levels of antibodies, leading to worries whether the vaccine is effective or not. On September 8, the internet celebrity Liu Yu posted the results of antibody tests that he paid out of pocket for 15 days after he got the Medigen vaccine. The results showed low antibody levels. The post spurred people to want to get their own tests done at hospitals. Mr. Ho, I guess it's a Mr. Ho Xu An, section chief of the Department of Health at Taipei City said, the central government currently bans hospitals from performing self-paid antibody tests for the public. Hospitals that perform antibody tests without department's approval are breaking the law. Bloody hell. How does that make sense? According to the Central Epidemic Command Center, only flight crews are allowed to get the self-paid antibody tests and only 12 hospitals in Taiwan are allowed to provide the services. 
Leo said he only wanted to know if the medicine was that he got was actually effective. Leo E, the internet celebrity, I didn't know this was against the law, and if I had known such a law existed, I would have paid attention to it. I wouldn't want the hospital to get fined, but I do care about my own health too. Lin Xu Huang, Lin Xu Huang, the CEO of the Dithus Group, said, "Getting this test done isn't it isn't illegal if people think the payment amount is the issue." then we respect the city government's regulations. If they want to fine us, they can go ahead. We respect them. I don't have any opinion either way. I guess this is the, uh, the head of the place that tested, the CEO of the place that tested this uh, celebrity that said that. Wang Jianxian, the chair of Taiwan Counter Contagious Disease Society, says, we hope public health agencies can allow hospitals to provide this kind of tests and services. They should not infringe on citizens' right to know. I agree with that. The CECC said that everyone will have different antibody levels after getting the vaccine because everyone is different. It's not, uh, and it only started allowing flight crews to get the tests out of pocket because the Delta variant and the break-free infections. It says it has no plans to allow testing at present time. How does that make sense? That doesn't make any sense to me. So people are getting vaccinated and they don't know if they have antibodies or how many they have, or if it's high or low, if they should get a... How would you know if you should get another shot if you don't know what your antibody levels are? What if you have really good antibodies? Then surely you... Don't even have to think about a booster shot. And maybe you've had COVID already. Maybe you want to know if you've had COVID or and you have antibodies. This is bizarre. I wonder if I can get more information about this somewhere. Why the tests are not allowed. And um, yeah, I, I won't say any more about that. But yeah, I think that's very, very strange. Well, this is very exciting. This is from Focus Taiwan. A Pasha partial lunar eclipse will be visible in Taiwan on November the 19th, which is a Friday. Astronomy buffs across Taiwan should be able to see part of a partial lunar eclipse in the early hours of the evening on the 19th of November, the Central Bureau said. The full celestial event will take place between 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. when the Earth is positioned between the Sun and the Moon, partially blocking the light, according to the Bureau. However, the phenomenon will not be observable until 5.02, between 5.02 and 5.17 on Friday the 19th across Taiwan. The good news is people will still be able to witness the peak of the eclipse when the moon is the closest to the center of the Earth's umba, umbra, the innermost and darkest part of the shadow. At that time, the moon will appear crescent-shaped with only the lower right side visible, according to the CWB. The eclipse will be visible with the naked eye, they said, adding that stargazers should be able to see it on the horizon east-northeasterly direction around sunset, in an east-northeasterly direction around sunset. Unfortunately, the next full lunar eclipse will be visible from Taiwan only on November the 8th next year, it said. That sucks. It's always a bit uh, creepy and magical at the same time, isn't it? There was a, a big one before. I oh, know that was a sun eclipse. There was a moon eclipse. I don't think I've seen a full moon eclipse in recent times. Not that I remember, at least. Well, we know that the on that same day, there's lots of things happening on that day, actually. On that same day, it's also the peak of the Torrid uh, asteroid shower, meteor shower. Something else happens on that day. So, mm, lots to look out for in the skies on Friday, Thursday and Friday. Lots of things happening this weekend. There's a Meat Lovers Festival on Saturday, the 20th of November at Maji Square, a party where you can enjoy many different kinds of meat dishes like pork, ribs, hamburgers, chicken, 
fried chicken, Latin stews, Brazilian barbecue, jerk chicken, and many other things. Our DJ Tai Tong and his team will play beats, Latin hits, rock, country, pop, all kinds of stuff, music all day long. It's at Maji Square. Tickets are 300 which includes a craft beer and a $100 food voucher or 400 pre-sale tickets. Tickets at the door, 400 which includes craft beer and a $100 food voucher. Children under 10 get free entrance. This is a family event. In order to avoid long lines and overcrowding at the event, the, there will be two sessions. The first one is the lunchtime, which would 12, will be 12 to 4. The second one will be dinner time, which will be 5 to 8. Tickets are limited to 300 pre-sale and 100 at the door. Per session, only 400 people will be allowed inside at one time. The tickets will include craft beer. Do not lose your ticket because we will not give you another one, it says on the invitation on their Facebook page. The bar cocktails from Taipei Tiki. Also, Belgo-Belgian beers, two tap beers and some... Kombucha friends will be there as well, they say. And you can get that at on their event page, Meat Lover Festival, that's Saturday, this Saturday coming. Also this Saturday is the anniversary of the Red Room, the 12th anniversary of the Red Room, Artist Dream, The Green. That starts from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. All day live art and music. Join us for a uniquely immersive, engaging live art and music event with plant-based foods and beverage and a beverage selection, 12 artists, live art, silent auction on artwork, and that is at the Red Room on Geelong Road. Entry is 300 NT, which includes a drink, either alcoholic or non-alcoholic, or 549 NT, which includes a drink and a meal. Well, it is um, November and it's going to be Thanksgiving soon, which means lots of people are going to look for places to eat. I can recommend a place, Antinias. Antinias is down by, it's just behind the Far Eastern Hotel and I think the closest MRT is Liu Zhangli MRT. Thanksgiving is coming. You don't want to miss out with Antinias roast turkey dinner. Turkey dinners includes roast turkey, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, gravy and pumpkin pie. Check out our Thanksgiving dinner menu and make your reservation now. Thanksgiving dinners will be available on November 25th, 26th, 27th and 28th. Make a reservation to be sure that you have a seat. Business hours for Thanksgiving will be 11am to 9pm. The kitchen closes is 830 this is the menu, pumpkin soup and a dinner roll, then a garden salad, then roast turkey with cranberry sauce, served with mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, yams, candied yams, buttersweet sweet corn, seasonal vegetables and homemade pumpkin pie. That looks fantastic and that menu goes for a thousand and that's dining in. I don't normally dine in but I do order whole turkeys and mashed potatoes and gravy and vegetables and all the other goodies and as a takeout. So, but she needs ample time to prepare for that, which reminds me, I should actually give her a call and make sure that we can order something for Thanksgiving. And she packs it really nicely and she'll yeah, help you organize the delivery if, if you don't know how to do that yourself. So yeah, if you were looking for a place to go eat or if you're looking for very good food delivered to your door, I suggest that you contact Auntie Nia and order your Thanksgiving hamper from her. And that concludes our show for this week. I have just jumped up and taken a picture of dear Simba sitting on his chair in front of the heater and I will add that to the show notes to show everyone what this cat looks like majestically sitting on his <laughs> chair in front of the heater. He's been very quiet today. He's usually quite noisy when I'm trying to record a show, but today he's been very quiet. I think that has to do with the colder weather. 
So I would once again like to thank everyone for listening. I would like to thank everyone for sending me links and tips and news articles and, and, and please reach out and send me your ideas. If you have any new businesses, especially new businesses or places to go and hang out, you can reach me as always through taiwanroundup.substack.com. Also the Facebook page, Taiwan Roundup, that's on those two platforms, I'll also post all the show notes and links and everything that we discussed today. Or you could send me a direct email at taiwanroundup at gmail.com. And I wish you a very nice week to come. Hoping the cooler weather stays, but the skies become a little bit bluer this week. And I shall talk to you again next week. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!